This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 187 for November 2023, with Andrew Rappaport on Modern Israel. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 187 for November 2023. Andrew Rappaport is founder of Striving for Eternity Ministries and co-creator of the Christian Podcast Community. He's also a frequent guest and is back for his ninth episode of Echo Zoe Radio. Andrew returns to talk about the history and politics of modern Israel. Video of this episode is available at YouTube, Rumble, the Echo Zoe Locals page, and embedded in the show notes for this episode at echozoe.com slash 187. At that page, you'll also find an outline of the discussion, a list of scriptures referenced in this episode, additional resources, and related episodes from the Echozoe archives. Finally, I want to remind everyone about the Christian podcast community. Among all of the many excellent biblically faithful podcasts that you'll find at Christian Podcast Community is Andrew's shows, The Rap Report, and Apologetics Live. You can find the entire list at christianpodcastcommunity.org. You can subscribe to the shows you want to hear directly or subscribe to the community feed and get all of the shows in one giant feed. With that, here's my discussion with Andrew. Andrew, it's been a while. Um, I think it was December of last year was the last time we talked. Yes, and I guess I'll be on this December too, so that's two months in a row. Two months in a row. But you got to share it. You got to share it next month. (laughs) I was yep. while while I was waiting to uh, to our scheduled time tonight, I was uh, giving Fred Butler a hard time. Was, I don't know if you know, but Fred uh, Fred's Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it account was suspended a while back. Was that now? Is is that now called his X Twitter? Yeah, that would be that would be a perfect way to describe it. And so he has a secondary account. And I was texting him. I said, I would have DM'd you, but your second account doesn't follow me. And <laughs> I'm getting on with Andrew and uh, thought maybe I'd ask him if uh, he's up for doing the annual roundtable episode what, next like month. You're number five that we're doing that? It'll, this will be number six, actually. Six. Wow, we're getting old. Yeah, sixth That's annual bad. And he says, of course. So we've got, we went into your little calendar thing and we got it booked and it's not going to be out right away in December because I couldn't get you in November. So uh, it'll be up. (laughs) But there's no editing you have to do on that one because I mean, we're, when it comes to Fred and I, we're, I always edit. I always edit. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we, what what are we talking about this? I think we should interview you. That's what we should do. You want to interview me? (laughs) All right. Well, that was a nice episode. Thanks for uh, coming, and I'll uh, see you see you in December. 
So, uh, yeah, you sent out an email to all of us on the Christian podcast community, which I like to talk about, christianpodcastcommunity.org, that you're talking about Israel with all the stuff that's going on there since the attacks just a couple weeks ago. We're going to talk about modern Israel, which is a little different for me, but... uh, have you ever been have you ever been to israel i've been there thrice yeah yep so it's you know and and this is the thing is when we talk about israel today and and i thought we talked you and i had talked about this is that israel today a lot of there's a lot of myths about israel yep modern israel the land um which plays into what we're seeing play out now i'm i'm amazed how many people are very much against israel after they got attacked i mean one individual told me that they were both israel and hamas was wrong they're both enemies of of peace and i i was like what did israel do like what did they do to to deserve it and and he was like well they're they're evil I said, because of the response. And I'm like, okay, do you think America was evil for responding to 9-11? Oh, that's totally different. No, actually it's not. (laughs) No. And so the whole idea that we have seen is that, and and this is coming from the Arab states, that Israel is somehow an occupier of Arab lands that they've taken over and colonized and forced— you know, the Palestinians into these areas, you know, both in, in the Gaza Strip, in the West Bank, and basically restricts them and oppresses them. This is why Israel's supposedly wrong. Now, if those things were true, we might be able to make a case that Israel are, is the oppressor, and this is just people lashing out and trying to fight for freedom. The question is, Andy, is any of that true? <laughs> the answer is no. Actually, everything I said that is the narrative everyone goes off of is completely fiction. So what, when we speak about the land of Israel, who owned the land prior to 1948? Now, for the listeners, many were going to think, well, Palestine. Well, there was no nation of Palestine. Uh, Palestine was a land that the Romans called Palestine as an insult to the Jewish people uh, in about 100 and I think it was 130, 140 AD. Yeah. Uh, the Romans called it Palestine, but it wasn't actually that is a, it was Roman. And isn't that term a, a derivative of Philistine? That is exactly what it is derivative from. And that's why it was the insult. They, they, the Romans decided they were going to call it Palestine from the Philistines to say, okay, we're giving all of that to, to the, to your greatest enemy historically, which by the way, also shows that the fact that the Romans did that shows that the Israelites were there because this is a big part of the argument that some make most people are more honest about it, and they realize that, yes, Israel once lived there, but there, those will argue, well, they Israel lived there at a time. However, uh, it, was, it was then the Arabs who lived there, and therefore Israel didn't have possession. Okay. So there's others who will say that Israel was never there. So, so yeah, two groups, but— 
Prior to 1948, it was that land was owned by the, the United Kingdom, the British. It was British controlled, not Palestinian controlled, Arab controlled. That also includes the land we know of as Jordan. And in about 1914, roughly 1914, 1915, there was discussions as Jewish people were living in that area. They were petitioning the, the British government to make a land for Israel. Discussions had started before the First World War. There was, so this was discussions made with the owners of that land, which was Britain. Mm -hmm. which, so what ends uh, up happening? Sorry to interrupt, but if if my history is correct, the British had acquired it upon the fall of the Ottoman Empire around World War One. Yes. So so they had they had possessed it, and when they got it, there was discussion of making that a land of Israel. Mm -hmm. But what ended up happening at that time to prevent that from happening many Arabs started moving in from what was called Transjordan. Because mm -hmm. at that time, there wasn't a Jordan. So the people that we know of as the Palestinians, remember, Pal there, there were no Palestinians prior to this time period. In fact, there's no, there's no language known as Palestinian. There's no culture that's Palestinian. There's, there's no nation of Palestine that ever existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even the they, flag didn't exist until the 80s. Yeah. And so the, the people that we know of as Palestinians were Arabs in the Transjordan that moved in to prevent the British government from making a nation of Israel. And so they argued, well, now they possess they were there too, to say you can't you can't make it a land for Israel because there's Arabs living there. And so the result was, is that UK backed off. And so more moved in. Now they eventually created Jordan and sectioned that off. And for many years, there was just this back and forth of it. It was German control. i uh, sorry, uh, British controlled. And because of what the Germans did with the Holocaust, after the ending of World War II, you end up having Britain decide with the UN, we're going to give this land to Israel, create a new state. Well, there's even so, more sticky history in there in that prior to the Holocaust, as the Nazis were coming to power, remember the Holocaust was the, they called it the final solution, that there were other proposed solutions to rid themselves of Jewish presence. And one of those proposals was to send them back to this land in the Middle East. But the British were in control and they blockaded it and wouldn't allow them in. Well, they, they wouldn't allow people to escape the British, con the German concentration camps to go there. I mean, this is one of the things is that I think that I, I don't think until after the war that most of these nations knew how bad it was for the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. I don't think they knew the real numbers. And so afterwards, many, many, many Jews, the Jewish people decided to move to the land of Israel. And it, it became where the 
basically the British Empire decided that we're going to make this a land of Israel. So when people say, well, they're occupiers, they're not. They're not occupiers because they were given the land by those who owned it. Mm -hmm. Those who were in control of that were not the Palestinians, but the British. So the argument that Israel is an occupier is right off the bat of a myth because of the fact that they, pal, the Palestinians or the Arabs never actually were in control of it at that time. So, yes, millions of Jews started moving in after 1948. They, they went and took in the land. And what ends up happening with this is now we have a couple things. We've already addressed the fact that we see that the land was not owned by a Palestinian state. Mm. Therefore, they 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 didn't occupy, but there was a war. It lasted all whole six days. <laughs> but this is a strange thing. Andy, have you ever seen a country that goes to war, takes over land, and after winning the land, gives it back? Just Israel. Just Israel. That's right. Both the West Bank and Gaza. They section that area, these areas off, and in each peace treaty that they would work out uh, before Donald Trump, that is, uh, there were there's a total of six peace treaties that they've worked out over the many years. Trump is has developed has worked on four of them. Wow! So for folks to realize, really, what's going on is that right now we see uh, you know the Democrats and Joe Biden trying to undo absolutely everything <laughs> that Trump did, including the the peace deals. And I'll I'll say because. And I'll get back to the, the the first two deals in a moment, but let me just say this. I think what we saw in the attack in Israel, there's a reason for it. And it's because of Donald Trump. Now, Democrats are going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> let me explain. Donald Trump did something that nobody had thought of doing before. Up until Donald Trump, everybody tried to work peace deals with Israel by getting Israel and their enemies together and working with those that hate Israel the most to work out peace. Mm -hmm. What Donald Trump did was say, let's start getting all those countries that are friendly toward Israel <clears throat> to, to or work at least at least less hostile. At least less hostile to work together. Yeah. And and the idea would be there'd be a domino effect. Mm -hmm. And he worked four peace deals in succession quite quickly <clears throat> that came one after another. And then when he was no longer in power, there were still discussions with Saudi Arabia. That yeah. was the big one. And Saudi Arabia, even though the Biden administration wasn't really pushing it as like the Trump administration was, there were still people working at that. And many think that Saudi Arabia was about to sign a deal with Israel. Had they done that, that would have been the biggest one. And many think that would have been a domino effect. That would have been the thing that pushes the wave over to where many of these other countries would be forced to do it. And so that is the timing, we think, of why this happened when it did. I mean, several other factors could be that the United States, thanks to Joe Biden, gave Iran six you know, billion dollars. Here you go. We're going to unfreeze some money for you. Mm -hmm. And now Iran openly admits that they, and so does Hamas, that Iran was funding Hamas. So they had the money. The timing was right. Strike. We know that the people that the, the last the, thing that Iran wanted was Saudi Arabia to come in and sign this peace accord. Because that peace accord would affect Iran. And 
you know, actually all of them, because they're, they're, you have to understand something about the Arab nations. They're all enemies with one another. Many today are not old enough to remember the Iran-Iraq war that lasted for, for a very long time and was very bloody. Mm -hmm. But the only thing that united it was a hatred for Israel. So, so it's, Israel is this really strange, politically, a very strange thing, because all of the Arab nations and the whole world needs there to be crisis in the Middle East. They need Israel to be there, and they need Israel to be there to, to unify all the Arab states. So why all the rest of the world? Because that's where they get the oil. And if there's, if there's fighting in the Middle East amongst the Arabs, then countries, like if you get your auto, auto, or the auto, oil from Saudi Arabia, you got to side with them in a, in a war if they have one with Iran. And you're getting the oil from Iran versus Syria, wherever you you know these countries are now aligned by where they get oil from. So, a lot of the countries want there to be peace in all the Arab states, but the only way to do that is if the Arab states have a common enemy. So mm -hmm. it's really a catch twenty two. And Iran does not want to be that common enemy. Yeah, no, Iran doesn't want to be the common enemy, but they're they're going to be if there was no Israel. Mm -hmm. So it's a funny thing. They need Israel there, but and this is why you see Iran will fund Hamas to go in, and, it, and these countries will fund them, Hamas and Hezbollah, but they won't come in themselves. They they don't do anything other than go. You guys go. You guys go. And then what happens? Yeah. Once Israel starts responding, well, the world goes, "Hey, hey, back off, back off. You did enough. You did enough." Yeah. Well, there's more to it even than just those countries. We've got um, Egypt and Jordan, which have more recently been um, more friendly towards Israel, but are also kind of playing against Israel in that they refuse to take in Palestinian people, mm -hmm. which allows Hamas to continue to use them as a human shields and, you know, put their munitions in the hospitals and the schools and whatnot. And, uh, so those people are kind of, they're just human shields really. Yeah. So there is, um, you know, an in international law, there is some views that, you know, the countries have to be able to open up if there's, you know, open, gates or, or travel for people that are fleeing in such situations uh, like this, like warfare. Mm -hmm. And so what you end up seeing is Egypt refused to open up a gate to allow people in there. And because they don't want, I mean, if you go look at any map, folks, look at a map, look at how small Israel is. Israel is the size of New Jersey, the fifth smallest state in the United States, small area. Yep. Then go look at the Arab world. There is plenty of room to yep. for these people to move to. There's plenty of room in the Arab world for for these people, but the Arabs won't take them. They, yep. they have the same religion, the same language, the, all the the same culture. Yeah, but they won't take them. And, and when you say Arab world, we're not just talking about the Arabian Peninsula. That 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 no. culture and people extends all the way across the northern Africa, all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. And and all the way it goes west. That's all that would be west. 
and then east, sorry, east all the way to India. And so you you have barring a lot of Iran. Iran is not Arab. They're they're Muslim, but they're not Arab. They're Persian. Yeah, but they have a similar culture. They, they there's some differences with their view of, and this is one of the things they have a different view of Islam than. Many right, they the, have a they're they a different Islam. sect of Islam, different language. Mm-hmm. They they speak Farsi as opposed to mm-hmm. Arabic. Different, a little bit different culture. I, they yeah. have they have, but still more similar than Israel. Closer the yeah, it's closer to Arabs than they are to Israel. Yeah, but so what you see is that it, I mean it would make sense for these Arab countries to take them in, but they don't. Why? Right. They don't want them. Nope. They they want the conflict there. It's, it's a strange political thing. So when you hear all this talk that like Israel's the, the, the oppressor and taking their land and colonizing them, well, Israel takes over this land in a six-day war, and then with the first two treaties, peace treaties that we end up seeing, you end up seeing that Israel gave land back. Mm-hmm. They, okay, we're going to give this area Gaza and put them, we're going to take the West Bank, we're going to move the West Bank, and they moved it they gave more land for them in the West Bank. That's the first two treaties. Yeah. So they, this is the well, they had land all the, they had taken all the land. way down through the Sinai Peninsula. Yeah. No, no. When they say that, you know, the way the Palestinians are living, let's ask who's in charge of that. Because, you know, since about 2007, 2005, 2007, Israel left Gaza. Mm-hmm. They left them to con- to run themselves. They were in charge of themselves. They voted Hamas in for whichever, you know, there's different discussions of how that happened, whether that was under pressure or not. But the reality is that's the government. Hamas is the government for Gaza. They take aid from the entire world and keep it for themselves and don't give it to the people. Mm-hmm. So the, the people to be blamed for the way everyone's living in Gaza is not Israel. Israel has no control over that, has no ruling over that. Israel provides to Gaza electric and water. That's what they do. And and not and you know, Gaza has some of their own water sources, but that's what they do. And that electric hasn't been paid back. Gaza doesn't they do it, so they're getting free electric. Yep. So when we say that, oh, they're oppressors, the the oppression is coming from Hamas, not Israel. Israel lets the the Palestinians from Gaza come into Israel to work in Israel, even to live in Israel. The only thing they won't let them do is vote in Israel. That's oh, that's a crazy idea. We should try that in America. <laughs> let those immigrants that come in that want to better their life, but you don't get to vote. Uh huh. That'd be interesting. See how that works. Um. But but that's the reality. The reality is, is that as these folks are coming in to to Israel, they weren't allowed to vote. That doesn't sound like they're being oppressed. It, it sounds like they're being prevented from changing Israeli government. The Israelis understand what would happen. Just you know, just like the Democrats understand this country, what would happen if we bring millions and millions of illegals in here and for a better life, and then have them vote specifically for the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Now, Andy, I can guarantee you one thing. If in 2024, we see millions of immigrants that are trying that have flee to America because they want to flee from socialism and they start voting Republican 
because they know the Democrats are socialists. Watch how fast they build a wall and shut the southern border. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you don't have to guess. You just look at what they have done with the Cubans in Florida. They have resisted allowing the Cubans to come in as they did decades ago. They used to be, if you made it to dry ground in southern Florida, you were home free. But as those people started getting integrated into Florida culture and, and society and started voting and voted differently than the country they came from, all of a sudden that went away. Yep. Yep. And I think, I think that that could happen. That's what I'm hoping for in, in 2024. And so um, what you end up seeing, though, is Israel knew not to allow that to happen. So they let the Palestinians come into Israel to work in Israel, to live in Israel. They just can't vote in Israeli politics. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't sound like oppression. I mean, the, if you talk about the oppression that's going on within Gaza, I mean, because if you went to Israel, did you go into the West Bank or into Gaza at all? Not Gaza, for sure. Okay. We drove around areas that were, I mean, there are some Israeli roads that kind of go through that you know, West Bank is also a loaded term. I mean, they don't call it the West Bank. They call it Judea yeah. and Samaria. But there are Israeli roads that go through there. Um, you know, if you want to go from visiting the Dead Sea up towards Galilee, it's a like a five or six hour drive to go into Israel proper, as they would call it, as opposed to about an hour to drive just up the Jordan River on that, that road. And it's a little, a little, uh, we got a little nervous driving up there, but it, it went all right. Um, you get nervous. I got nervous when we couldn't get back into Israel. <laughs> someone, someone on our bus forgot their passport. Oh yeah. And, and they wouldn't let us back into Israel and we actually had to, they, they, they made us go back and we had to drive into a different checkpoint. Oh no. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. So, um, but when you go into those areas, you see a, a rapid, you can immediately know you left Israel. Yep. Everything is run down. The interesting thing is you'll go into areas that, man, you, you see these houses and they, they're mansions. They look really nice. And so I remember asking like, so what, like all of a sudden it's different. Oh, these, this is where all of the, the wealthier People that live in Qatar or Saudi Arabia or America, they have family in the West Bank. So they they get a home, but they get these really huge homes that are kind of set apart from everyone. Beautiful homes. Mm -hmm. Because they're they only come and visit. Those homes are empty most of the time. Right. So it's just amazing that you you see, even within there, there's a vast difference. Yeah. But the reality is that when you look at when you're looking at Gaza, who's it control? Who's controlling it? Who's running it? Who's the government? It's not Israel, right? It's Hamas. That's the government of Gaza. So when you talk about the oppression of the Palestinians with all that money, all the aid, well, that and comes it's in important to keep world, in mind too that Hamas didn't just like have a some kind of military coup to come into power there when the Gaza was turned over to the Palestinians back in 2000. All right. Timer's going off here. Uh, was it 2007? 
that they just pulled mm-hmm. out and gave it over? Israel moved, pulled out, gave it over, let them choose a government. They chose so Hamas. They chose Hamas. They held elections, like they, yeah, bona fide they, elections. Is the last elections they had, but yeah. And and an interesting thing. But their you know, their approval ratings remains high in Gaza. They might not be electing them, but they're they're approving of them. Well, to this you day, pro- look, you're going to approve when a gun is put to your head. You approve of Hamas, right? <laughs> <laughs> gun to my head. Yes, I do. Right. I mean, they're you're not going to go against them because you could disappear. But the thing that's of interest is this is their government. Hamas is who they chose. And when when you had like, uh, you know, the U.S. trying to work with Arafat on a deal, right? Arafat, yep. they, they were trying to give Arafat everything. Yep. And every time that they were given a deal, they wouldn't even listen to it. Yep. There was never, and he kept giving, I mean, the, the deal they were working out the last one with Arafat was where they would get, Israel was, was willing to give up half of Jerusalem. And they still said no. Yeah. You know why? They, they don't want peace. <laughs> well, Arafat specifically said, if I, if I sign this, I'll be dead. Because mm-hmm. Sadat and Egypt had signed peace accords and he was killed. And this goes to the thing is that when everyone says negotiate with these people, you, they have to realize we can't, you can't negotiate with them because they can't have peace. There's too many factors in this that these too many countries and too many political things going on where they, they, they just don't want peace. But on top of that, what we ended up seeing is with this, this what per, participated and led up to this recent act is the fact that you you have generation after generation of people that have been told they're being oppressed, their oppressors are Israel. If you live in poverty, it's not because you're Hamas leaders. It's because of those people in the country that, that took our land and forced us here. It's not us. We're not the ones doing it. We're taking all this money from all over the world and using it to live really well. And we moved to Carter and we live in Qatar, not, not here in in Gaza, but we're your leaders. And, you know, we live in the lap of luxury, but you live in poverty, but it's not our fault, it's Israel's. Well, Israel's not taking the money because Israel's not being given the money. Yeah. Right? And so right off the bat, this is what shows all the myths of, of the narrative that's there. The, the narrative that somehow Israel is oppressing them, but generation after generation, if you're told that you're, being oppressed by a group of people. We're seeing this in America now. Many people can't understand what would precipitate and cause the Black Lives Matter riots. Well, part of it is uh, people just wanted to rob and loot. But another part of it is there are people that honestly believe that they're being oppressed by white people and they deserve this. They're owed this. They have a right to be able to doing this. Well, now, if you put that in the minds of people who as children are trained to use, trained to work with AK-47s and kill Israelites. That's very different. How do you, how do you negotiate with them? They went in to a, a festival, music festival, killing innocent people. They went in through, through land and air. Okay. They, they, to go into a music festival, cut the power and just start 
slaughtering people, kidnapping thousands, mm -hmm. killing thousands, killing children, killing mothers, grandmothers, kidnapping them. And, you know, and our, our media is like, oh, isn't it so nice that they, they provide shampoo and medicine? Well, that tells you that they were, they were planning to take hostages. That was planned for if they had all that. It's not that they were, oh, like, look, they're caring for them. They won't let their own people out because they want those people to be killed when Israel attacks so that the world will come to the defense of Gaza. Gaza's, their war plan, they don't have the missiles. They don't have the tanks. They don't have the guns. They, they don't have what Israel has. You know what they have? The world media. They have the media that they know, oh, look, innocent people died in this hospital that was bombed. You know why hospitals get bombed? Because that's where Hamas puts their military. Yeah. They put their military in elementary schools, in hospitals, in place, places where there's lots of people so that when Israel bombs them, they can say, look at the poor people, innocent people that got killed. Yeah. Well, well that, by the way, is, they, they're always accusing Israel of war crimes, but that in itself is a massive war crime. Yes. And that's who should get blamed for the war crime is Hamas. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying all Palestinians. Notice, I'm saying Hamas. They're the leadership. There are many Palestinian people who are being victimized, but they're not being victimized by Israel. They're being victimized by Hamas, who's putting, you know, I put up a, a, a thing that I know upsets some people, but I think it really pictures what the issue is. It's a picture of a Hamas soldier standing behind a baby in a carriage, shooting a gun over the carriage and it, shooting at an Israeli who's got a baby carriage behind him to protect it, shooting at the guy from Hamas. See, Hamas puts their, their children and other people's children in front of them as shields because they know Israel cares for human life. So you have to understand, the Hamas has trained a generation of people not to care about human life. Mm -hmm. And so you have people that we now found out they were given drugs before going in, a drug that just shuts off the brain. So they, they did wicked things. And, you know, this is a Christian show, so we can't talk about some of the wickedness yeah. of it, but... Yeah, that, that drug the, completely shuts down the conscience, that lingering conscience in the back. They, they take this drug... I heard it. I can't remember what it was called, but it's it was like the poor man's cocaine was the nickname, and its whole purpose is to to provide like energy. You know, it gives them a perk. It's an upper, but it also completely inhibits all conscience whatsoever. So people who yeah. might say, "Well, there's you know the the image of God within them that would look at another human being and say, you know, I can't do these despicable, horrible, vile things." This drug just like it take, takes that out. Correct. Yeah, just it it they end up having no thought of what they're doing. Look, they they did things to people. They had taken one woman and abused her so much that they broke her bones doing gang activity to her. And I'm wording it that way. I think most people can figure out what happened. They, they, this is I mean, beheading people. They, they and they took video of this. This mm -hmm. it's their video that we have. It's from Hamas that they were proud of what they did. 
And the rest of the world goes, oh, this is Israel. This is, I mean, it's amazing. They, they, the world is blaming Israel for bombing a hospital that's still standing today. What actually happened was Hamas doesn't have the rockets that Israel has. And their rocket landed in a parking lot. And there wasn't 500 people that were killed, but that was the claim. And everyone's running off and saying that. Yeah. And we ha we had here in America, we had someone say that, a, a representative say to say that. And then we had a lot of people that went into the Capitol and overtook the Capitol. Huh? Oh, almost like a, what, what did they used to call that? Oh, an insurrection for January 6th. Yeah, but they, they didn't... Uh, didn't call it that when it was, you know, anti-Israel rhetoric. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And so what we have is we have people that are spreading lies and people are dying for it. And all of the people that were killed and captured for the last several weeks, that is because of these lies that have been allowed to be said, these myths about Israel. And as long as we allow those myths to continue and we don't educate people on, on the land of Israel, people are allowed to continue this lie and people will continue to die. And so, so for everyone saying well, there should be peace, there should be peace, they're good. Well, the only way you're going to have peace is by the truth coming out and, and stop the lies of who's the oppressor. The oppressor is, is a group known as Hamas. Hamas and Hezbollah are the two that need to be blamed for the way they treat their people. And this is the thing that I find uh, so offensive is to blame the people that were just killed, the country that was attacked and innocent people died. We had that here in America on 9-11. Nobody criticized us when we responded. Actually, many expected us to respond. Well, what do you expect Israel to do? People fly in from, you know, with gliders come in on motorcycles, just literally picking people up from the, from a music festival. They actually blocked the only exit out so that they could just shoot people as they were trying to flee. And then they're just capturing people and, and just taking them as prisoners. This is the type of people, and you're going to negotiate with them? They don't want to negotiate. Take, take Hamas at their word that they value death more than Israel values life. That's what they say. How do you negotiate with that? How do you how do you work with that for peace? You know, the the unfortunate thing is the way that what has to happen is Israel needs to wipe Hamas out and then let the Palestinians choose a different government. But the problem is, is that there's generation after generation that has been taught that this is all Israel's fault. So there's a, there's a two-pronged thing that has to happen. Hamas has to be removed, and the truth needs to be exposed so that we could get people that are willing to work together. Mm -hmm. Now, can that happen? Well, with God, all things are possible, but it would take an act of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can't help but kind of go towards... We, you and I have a similar enough eschatology that, I mean, where... <laughs> Where do you see this going? I had someone ask me whether I think that what is that Israel in the land today is that God's will. I said, absolutely. 
So you're saying it's prophetic. I said, I didn't say that. I just said it's God's will. Yeah. He's like, how can you say it's God's will? I said, because they're, they're there. there. <laughs> the fact that they're there, I know it's God's will. And, and people go, wait, what? And, and he, he was like, how can you say that? I said, because God is sovereign. If it wasn't his will, he wouldn't have allowed it. And this is a reformed guy. So he's like, okay, I can agree with that. Mm -hmm. You should. He's like, but are you saying it's answer to prophetic things? I don't know. I mean, I can't say that Israel being becoming a state in 1948 is proof positive of any future promises being fulfilled. Right. Israel could be wiped away now and come back a thousand years from now. In my eschatology and yours, I'll say that Israel will be a factor in the future at some time. But is this it? I have no idea. Yep. It sure seems like there's the whole world up against Israel right now. I could see, I mean, I could see if someone was to be able to negotiate a peace deal with Israel, Hamas, Hezbollah, all the Arab world, that would be pretty amazing. And that's what we're what we would believe we're gonna see next in, in scripture, right? Historically, is that there'll be this this peace deal that'll be made. It's definitely we could tell one thing, it won't be Joe Biden to make it. Yeah. Okay. Because he he won't he doesn't even know what day of the week it is. But yep. I could I mean could that happen? Sure, God could do anything. Mm -hmm. Is this the proof? I can't say that. I don't have. Um, I don't know when, the future. When you were in Israel, did you ever get to go visit the Temple Institute? I don't think we did this time. At, at any point, did you do that? I can't remember 38 years ago whether I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we went in 2014, so coming up on 10 years ago, went into the Temple Institute just just uh, outside of the Temple area, and uh, it was pretty shocking to us. Um, they were, I mean, I mean, it was, it was on the one hand, it was kind of neat to see they have all the implements ready to go for a temple. They have everything ready to go. They told us that if they got the okay, they have an altar, a, a brick altar that's that's like just a big pile of bricks, basically. And within hours, they can set that up on the Temple Mount and begin sacrifices. Hours yeah. within hours. Yeah, I've and, heard that, and I've, and I've heard that. I've heard that from a rabbi. I mean, so I mean, you know my background a bit. Yeah. Um, so I I come from. Uh, a line of of Jewish people from the line of Aaron, specifically of Levi, more specifically the Kohines or Korahites. The Kohines are those that took care of the temple elements. And the reason that becomes important is, as this one rabbi said, he, he said to me when he found out I was Jewish, he wants he wanted me to convert back. <laughs> and he's like, we need people like you. We we need we need the Kohines to be able to, you know, restore the, the temple if we rebuild it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's just interesting that, yeah, they do, they do work toward that. They're, they're looking for that. The thing that got us the most, that shocked us the most was the tour guide in the temple institute that, we, that was talking to us said, well, first of all, you know, they're very much looking forward to their temple. They they long for their temple. 
But what shocked us was it, they said, we will not get this temple through military means, through violence. It, it, we will not allow it. Like, we're not going to take the Temple Mount violently so that we can have our temple. They said they believed that the Messiah would give them the temple. So they're set up and ready that whoever it is gives them the okay to peacefully build their temple. They're ready to worship that band. Hmm. And they, they said, there's no requirement that he be a Jew, that he'll just be, he, he could be a Gentile, doesn't matter. But this guy who's going to give them their temple is their Messiah. And we're looking at each other saying, he didn't read Daniel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I recently was sent recently sent a video where I guess this I don't know who it was that was talking about what's going on in Israel and whatnot. And in there, he they they put up a thing saying that you know there seems to be a reference to the Messiah might be coming soon. And so they're like, oh, see, see, you know, I don't. I just don't see that we can say this is the answer to prophetic prophecy. Right. But what that's not what I'm getting at. I guess it was just hearing from a non-Messianic Jewish rabbinical source that like they're getting ready for what yeah. we see prophetically is like a time of trouble. And, and you know, it's really interesting if you do any study in Islam, Islam's looking for a Messiah-like figure as well. Mm-hmm. And when you when you look at what's in Islam and what they're looking for, it lines up very well with what we would see in the Bible if you have a premillennial view of what's going to happen next. And it's quite interesting because everything that they're looking for in their Messiah is what we would see as the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Quite, and you go and you and read specifically, this. I believe that's Shia Islam. Yeah. And they're, uh, I think, uh, the 12th Imam prophecies mm-hmm. right now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, of views that say, well, the idea that the 12th Imam would be what the, the Christians refer to as the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Now, wouldn't that be something of some Iranian guy? Gives them their temple. Yeah, and, I mean, if and I, has both the I, Shia Muslims uh, and and the Jews ready to worship him. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's interesting is if you think about it, if Iran of all the countries, if Iran was to work a peace deal with Israel and offer to build the temple, I mean, the the rest of the Arab world would probably go along. Mm-hmm. Right? It'd be really interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but you know this thing we could speculate all day and this is uh, you know I think this is one of the things that I I don't like about premillennialism is that oh, yeah, a lot absolutely. of premillennialists they, they just sit and speculate could this be it could that be it could yep. it? You know, it's I the Hal Lindsey like, effect we... yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't like like people that look at the newspaper and be like oh that's how we're going to read the bible yeah now, let, just to, to spread it out and be a little fair, 
post-millennialists kind of do the same thing. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, look, we got, all this is going bad. We're, we're, we're going to usher in God's kingdom. Okay, you know, both could could be looking at the newspapers and yeah, you know, I saw mills don't do that because they just go, hey, we're just happy to move along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but but the thing is, is that when we look at the state of Israel and the politics of it, I really think that even for many Christians, they don't know that the talking points everyone's being given are mythology. Mm-hmm. They're make-believe. They're not true. And when you just put a little bit of thinking to it, so I lived <clears throat> in an area where I went to church with someone who is a Palestinian. And when I say Palestinian, that's where they came from there. Parents were from there. They came to America. And so obviously they have a love for Palestine, uh, grew up thinking, you know, Israel's bad. I come to the church. I'm Jewish. I have a love for Israel. And so we get into a discussion and She's like, well, Israel, Israel's the oppressors. I said, well, what do you mean? She says, well, they took over our land and forced us out. I said, well, before 1948, who owned that land? And she stopped and thought about it. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, that was owned by the British Columbia, uh, British government. The United Kingdom owned it. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're right. I said, so it wasn't Palestinian land, was it? And it was like a light bulb went off. Well, and, and then we didn't recognize. we didn't talk about even going back further. Uh, Samuel Clemens went over there in the eighteen sixties. Uh, I, I I might be off by a decade or two. Mark Twain. Yeah, I, I don't know. I and remember. Um, well, he wrote about his travels. Amongst his travels, he went into that land, the, the Holy Land, and he wrote it about it being just desolate just vacant there was like a little tiny jewish presence there but that was it there was like hardly any people there and it was like a swamp land i mean it was just desolate land and he was astonished by how just vacant it was it wasn't like teeming with arab bedouin peoples no and and that's the whole thing that's the myth is that people think that it was filled with you know, Arab Bedouins and it wasn't. And, you know, one of the other things that we have to realize with it is when we, we think about this, this whole region. Okay. One of the things that you think about, you, you go, go around that area. It's a desert. It's an absolute desert everywhere. Mm -hmm. Israel has used the technology to, bring in water to take to to take care of water look do the deal with the water so that they could get it through land and make it a green land i remember 38 years ago when i went to israel our guide he said you know the, what the arabs all hate about israel is we have fertilization we know how we it's a it's green yeah and the israelites made it that way yep and it's getting greener it's actually shifting the the, the climate there their irrigation has shifted it and almost de-desertified it. I'm kind of making up a word. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and so 
this is what the the Arabs, I mean, look, the Arab states have the money. They could do this in other places. Mm-hmm. They don't. They, they could be giving the money to Hamas and Hezbollah to make their land just as green. But you know what they do? They give the money and Hamas takes it and gets people to pull up the water, the pipes bringing water in from Israel that's sanitized. And they use that to put missiles in it to launch missiles. Yeah. And they released the video of them doing that. Yeah. I, that's, I haven't watched. I've watched very few videos in the last few weeks, but that was one I saw was the Hamas video where they're literally tearing up the, the pipes and making rockets out of them. And we're proud of it. Yeah. And they're, and they're proud of it. That's the whole thing. That's the thing that everyone has to realize. They're proud of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They, they don't think that this is, they're committing war crimes and they want the world to praise them. And unfortunately the world is praising them and they shouldn't be, they should be, saying this must stop. Yep. Yeah. So, so, and that's, that's the reason, you know, that I want people to understand they, they they get some history on this so that when they do discuss this with people, when you're at the water cooler at work and people are saying, Oh, this is, this is just so bad. What Israel is doing. You could, you can inform them and say, wait, well, how are they the oppressor? How are they the occupiers? Because once you knock down these myths, then all of a sudden it's like it's clear to see. No, the real occupiers, the real, the real, you know, victimizers is those that are running the country, Hamas. That's the government, and that's who should be getting the blame. Yeah, and and, and it's not going to end until the truth is is explained. But as long as we hide the truth, as long as we cover it up, as long as we allow a false narrative to be out there there will continue to be war. Yep. Yep. Well, Andrew, I don't know where else to go with it. I think we've done a, a well, lot. I, 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 this is, it's good for folks to, to get facts. And this is stuff that people can research and, and check out. Yeah. There's plenty of information out there. There's plenty of history to this. And, if you if you check the facts, you realize that the narrative that is commonly believed is just not right. And if we're if we're going to be, especially as Christians, we should stand on truth. And I'm amazed how many Christians don't understand, don't even take the the, the time to understand the basics of what's going on here in Israel, and what's really happening. And as Christians, I believe we need to be standing with Israel because they're the ones being attacked, they're the ones being victimized right now. And, and if you're going to say, well, it's not the case, they went in and killed thousands of innocent people. They, hundreds of people that were just listening to music. Yeah. They were just at a music festival. But they went into kibbutzes and went room by room killing whole families, making people watch it. There's, there's a video that Hamas released of them threatening a boy, saying, we're going to kill your family if you don't go with us to your neighbor's and he was made to go on the neighbors and they videotape him knocking on the door, asking the neighbors to let him in. And because they know the voice, they open the door. And as they'd open the door, Hamas would come in and kill the family and then take the boy to the next door. All for the the threat that if you don't do this, we're going to kill your family. And what do they do? They kill Kill the family. And and you you want them to negotiate with people like this. No, these people committed war crimes. 
and they should be punished for it. You know, and the reality is, is Israel, I think, I think in the past, Israel has always responded. And then countries, especially America, would say, okay, stop, stop, stop. You've done enough pullback. And they would. I don't think that Netanyahu has any respect for Ben for uh, Biden. And I don't think that Biden's going to be able to convince Netanyahu to stop. And Netanyahu's saying, no, we're we are going to wipe Hamas out. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to wipe the Palestinians out. We're going to wipe Hamas out. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, I think the one time, the one thing that's different with this is because of what Hamas did, this was unthinkable what they had done with all the, the people that are not military. Right. This, they didn't come and capture a bunch of military people. They went after innocent people and they are, they've, they're human trafficking these, the women they've captured. And this is a war crime. And they need to be punished. And Israel is, they got a long memory. They don't mm-hmm. stop with stuff like this. And I, I think that that this is going to be one that is is not going to end quickly. I mean, what, what scared me is, yes, America, Britain, other countries are bringing in warships into the sea. But so is China. Probably Russia is on their way. That, you know, I mean, th- there is the spark here with all these different sides that could accidentally, if not purposefully, spark something that leads to another world war. Now, if that happens, okay, that's God's will. But let's not see that happen based on lies. Right. You know, we as Christians should be like, okay, let's get the truth out there mm-hmm. so people understand. And that's what I was hoping to do that that I, I hope that I did here on the, on your show. And yeah, to, to appreciate feel that. some things to think about. And yeah. and I'm sure that I'm sure, you know, look, I do my show right Apologetics Live on Thursday nights where anyone could come in and challenge me. People are going to hear this show and probably come in on my show on Thursdays and give me a hard time because they're like, and look, I was on Matt's program talking about Israel and a bunch of people came in one, you know, at least one guy came in wanting to to say, oh, you're just, you're just, you know, giving Israeli propaganda. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is everything he was saying was really Arab propaganda because it doesn't fit with history. And so I'm sure I'll get some folks to come in and challenge me and, and they're welcome to come yeah. in. Well, there you go. I, once in a while, I don't get a ton of feedback on episodes, but um, you know where I get more than any is uh, I get the comments on the YouTube posting. So if you're watching this on YouTube and you got a comment, go to Apologetics Live. <laughs> you don't want them to leave a comment on yours. Go to, go, go well, to, to be fair, you know, I, I check those comments on YouTube about roughly quarterly. So... <laughs> If I, res- if I even see them, much less respond, it's usually so much later that whoever wrote it has long forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've long learned how to me- just ignore comments on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm talking about the positive, the negative and everything in between. Like it's yeah. just, I just, oh, yeah. in a, if same goes for positive comments. If I don't get back to you, it's not a slight on you. Thank you for your positive comments, but. I, yeah. But, I if, just, but if people do want to challenge me even or. or have a positive comment they could come up go to just go to apologeticslive.com and on thursday nights eight eastern uh we start the show it's a live stream anyone can come in and and discuss so you just go to apologeticslive.com you scroll down there's a stream yard icon that's a little duck image click on that and it gives you instructions of allowing your camera and mic to be used in your browser and you join and we cool. bring you in so you know we 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 take any challenges 
Very cool. I, you you know, Andy, you, you'll you'll get this, but I say on the show, I usually start off and say that I can answer any question that anyone has about God in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can I. I. I think I don't know is a perfectly exactly. good answer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's honest too, going back to the whole premise of the show. Honest. Yeah. Be honest. Try to be. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, thanks, thanks for having me on, Andy. It's always yeah, a privilege. For- and I know next next month I'll be on with 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 the bud with, with uh, Fred, and we'll do our annual uh, re- review. Yeah. Um, and who knows what other topics we may end up getting into? <laughs> yeah. Be lively with Fred Butler. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun. I look forward to it. So, well, thanks, Andrew. Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zoe Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. That wraps up episode 187. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com slash 187. Please also check out the Christian podcast community. There's an ever-growing list of fantastic shows focusing on all sorts of topics. You'll find them all at christianpodcastcommunity.org. For the next episode, Andrew will be back along with Fred Butler for the sixth annual end-of-year roundtable discussion. And so, Lord willing, we'll be back next month with the December episode of Echo Zoe Radio. 